Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I'm your host, Derek Diamond. And coming up on today's show, I'll be chatting with actor Han Soto, who you may know from movies such as Looper, Logan, and the topic of today's show, Cobra Kai. He plays a very pivotal role in season three, which dropped on Netflix a little over a month ago, dropped on New Year's Day of this year. And I wanted to talk about Cobra Kai because this is a series that I did not see coming and I did not see liking as much as I have. So a couple of years ago, you know, Cobra Kai came out uh, on YouTube Red. And when I heard about it, I initially thought, you know, do we really need to see a continuation of the story? Like, is the demand there for it? Because I know that Karate Kid was a very popular movie back in the 80s. And I'm a fan, too. I grew up watching it, saw it as a kid, loved it, loved the fight scenes. I thought, you know, Mr. Miyagi was really cool. He and uh, Yoda are my two favorite uh, on-screen mentors when it comes to film. So hearing about the series, and I, I know nostalgia has been a very big thing you know, over the past several years, you know, bringing back properties from the 80s and 90s. And I'm sure we'll see it with the 2000s at some point. But, you know, it it sells and you can't really deny that. You know, when you see something that is a continuation sequel, you know, whatever the case may be of something that you grew up with, it makes you feel like a kid again. You know, when you're reunited with these characters, it's like a family reunion in a way. I mean, I felt the same way when the force awakens came out What you know, seeing uh, Han, Chewie, Leia, C3PO, R2D2, all the classic star Wars characters. It was like a family reunion and like you haven't seen family or friends in a long time. So I, I was a fan of karate kid, but I was very skeptical about how good this series could be. And Within the first five minutes of the first episode, I was hooked because the the great thing about this show is that it has such a variety that appeals to everyone as far as the different, you know, I mean, the storyline is is the same, but, you know, there's elements of teenage drama, there's elements of midlife crisis, there's elements of action, but it all comes down to the storytelling and the creators of this show have done a fantastic job of telling stories with these characters in present day while still acknowledging the lore of the karate kid. It even down to, you know, one of the moments that I noticed in season three uh, during the, the soccer game sequence is the song that they used was also used in a club scene in karate kid part two, whenever Daniel breaks the, the sheets of ice with um with his hand. So even little nuances like that I I loved and I, I didn't even notice that. I mean I just you know I watched Cobra Kai, I watched the the soccer scene. I was like, oh this is kind of a catchy song. So I shazammed it and then saved it for, you know, playlist uh, that I use whenever I work out. But um watched Karate Kid 2, you know, soon after and heard that song and I was like, oh that's like it acknowledges everything is what I'm trying to say. And it also sets the movies in a new light in a way, because you go like you watch Cobra Kai and it's in the beginning, it's very much Johnny's story. You know, Johnny was 
Daniel's rival back in the original Karate Kid. Johnny loses to Daniel in the All-Valley Finals. But other than that brief sequence in Karate Kid Part 2, you don't really get to see what happens with him. And this series is centered around him and his path to try and redeem himself and make a better life for himself. Because unlike Daniel, things didn't really work out for Johnny. You know, Daniel was two-time All-Valley champion. He has a great home life. He's got wife, kids, runs a successful car business. So, but Johnny, it, it didn't quite work out that way. But it's interesting because it puts a new spin on both characters. Because with Johnny, you see, yeah, he's a very flawed individual still, but he has that drive and that want to make a better life for himself. And with Daniel, this new lifestyle that he's had of being you know, rich and successful has kind of made him a little cocky. And in a way, he's you can look at him as being one of the antagonists of this show. And it puts the movies in a new light because you watch Daniel's attitude. You can see that condescending, you know, grudge-holding type of attitude. So it, it does a great job of adding to the allure of the Karate Kid story. And even, you know, the flashback scenes of seeing Johnny as a kid when he's introduced to Cobra Kai, he's introduced to Kreese adds that new element to Johnny Lawrence. And I think it was great that they brought all the original actors back. They were all on board. And with season three, because there was a bit of a delay with this season because the rights switched from YouTube to Netflix. They released seasons one and two on Netflix. It gained a whole new audience. And then season three was announced for January 1st, 2021, dropped watched all of it in one day. I know season three has been, uh, the reaction has been very mixed and it is a bit of a slower burn as far as the progression of the story, because there are new elements that happen. You know, season one is very much the story of Johnny and Daniel continuing the rivalry. Then Kree shows up at the end and then season two, he's sprinkled in a little bit more. And you can also see that, and this is kind of one of my critiques for season three. It seems like Johnny took a bit of a step back because in season three, and I'm going to try not to really spoil too much because I know there are some who still haven't seen it. And in the, the conversation with Han, we don't get into spoilers. So um, like that conversation, I'm going to respect that. So there is a sequence and it's been put in the trailers that, you know, that this happened, but Daniel goes to Japan for a period of time and he kind of does a mental recharge of his batteries by visiting Okinawa and characters from the second movie come back. And it makes me wonder if, you know, farther down the line, we're going to see other characters. Like there's a tease at the end of the season that a certain villain from Karate Kid Part 3 will be returning. And I know it's a very mild spoiler, but it's it's out there. Um, but overall, I, I've really, really enjoyed the, the Cobra Kai series. Like I said, it has a mix of, you know, like a high school karate soap opera deals with midlife crisis deals with so many different types of emotions. And you get really invested in these characters. Like you want Johnny Lawrence to make a better life for himself. You want 
all these kids like Miguel, Dimitri, Sam, you want all of them to be successful. Like you, it's like a lot of other series that people fall in love with. You become invested in the characters and it's almost like you know them and you want certain things for them. And that's what I found throughout these, these three seasons of Cobra Kai. Dimitri's a, a fun favorite of mine. Like he, he reminds me of every, every internet troll that I've seen, you know, post a thread or post topics on forums or threads or things like that. But, um, yeah, I, I absolutely love, love this show. And as far as my overall thoughts of season three, I do agree that there's a bit of a slow burn when it comes to the buildup of the finale, but the last couple of episodes are really, really good. And that's not to knock any of the other episodes. It's just, it's different. It's not paced exactly the same as seasons one and two, but I think that's okay. There's more development with other characters and the la there's a big payoff. I, I will say that that's one thing about all three seasons is that they've ended on really good cliffhangers and just making you wanting more. So I, I can't wait for season four. It, it's going to be, I know they're filming it right now and hopefully fingers crossed that it will be um, out by the end of the year or maybe early 2022. We'll just have to see, but there, there are some really good moments. Like there's some good fight scenes early on in, in season three. A, a lot of it is dealing with the emotional fallout because as you know, at the end of season two, Robbie kicked Miguel off of a balcony, lands on a rail, and is knocked unconscious. And when the uh, new season begins, he's in a coma. So a lot of the characters are in a very dark place because of what happened, both kids and adults. And the first couple of episodes are, you know, focused on dealing with that before we get to the main point of what this this season uh, is going to entail. But I, I love it. I loved the, um, oh, oh, the other thing is, um, you know, I mentioned the flashbacks with Johnny and seeing what he was like as a kid and kind of showing his home life and what ultimately molded him into what he is. We also get that with Crease. And I thought, I thought those, those flashbacks were so well done. They were some of the highlights of this entire series and really getting to understand why he's the way he is. And I'm hoping that we see more of that in season four. You, you get to see a lot of stuff with, with these flashbacks and it, it's really important to, you know, what molds crease into what he currently is now and his mindset and why he thinks certain things that, you know, that he does. I, I really hope we get more of those in, in season four. Season four, I think has a chance to be really good. I have no idea how long the series is going to run. I've heard that the creators have enough material for say like six seasons, but we'll see. I, as long as the stories are good, I will keep watching. That's a show that I've watched all three seasons multiple times. And it's, what's great about it is that there are only 10 episodes and each are half an hour. So they're fairly easily digestible and you can watch several in one sitting. So I, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend that you watch Cobra Kai. It tugs at the nostalgia heartstrings. It tells great stories. 
Yeah, the acting is a little over the top like some 80s movies are. And that's one thing, too, is that this this show does not shy away from its source material. It knows it came from a product of the 80s that has over-the-top action, cheesy dialogue. There's a big fight scene that happens in one of the final episodes of the season that, you know, from a realistic standpoint, yeah, the cops would have been caught on it, but... I, I love the the cheesy 80s material. It reminds me of the stuff that I watched as a kid. So I, I've got no issue with it. But all in all, those are my um, my overall thoughts on Cobra Kai. I'd love to hear what you guys think of the Cobra Kai series and what you think uh, could happen potentially in uh, season four and possibly beyond. You know, Definitely uh, leave your thoughts and comments um, on the thread on this video, the video will be available on both YouTube and directly to my Facebook page. But for now, we're going to transition into my conversation with actor Han Soto, who I mentioned had a very pivotal role in the, the flashback sequences. But you'll get to hear all about uh, his story um, behind the scenes of Cobra Kai, some of the other films he's worked on, some of his upcoming projects. So it was a really fun time chatting with him. So Hopefully you guys enjoy it as much as I did. So here is my conversation with actor Han Soto. Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. And joining me this week is actor Han Soto. Han, how are you, sir? I'm wonderful. How about yourself, Derek? Doing good, doing good. I know we were just chatting about... uh, fellow uh natural disasters that we've been through because you you lived in new orleans uh for a period of time back when hurricane katrina hit back in in 2005 and you know we had hurricane sally hit here uh, in pensacola uh, a few months ago and we're still feeling the effects from that so um and you mentioned you you had evacuated during katrina which you know was the was the right call because that yeah yeah that town's still feeling the effects from louisiana And, uh, you know, we, we've had our fair share of hurricanes. And, and like I was telling you, that was the first one we ever evacuated. And seeing I-10 Contra flow to, to Texas was kind of crazy. <laughs> like, I've never seen anything like that. So um, I'm glad we're kind of moving past that, you know, that stage, because that was that was uh, pretty disastrous, man. I felt my heart goes out to all the victims, Katrina. But um, like I was telling you, I, was, I drove from uh, Denver to New Orleans recently and I, I got to see kind of the damages in Lake Charles and that was disheartening as well but um you know we 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 just rise out of it man that's I hope you I hope the bridge to your to your town gets fixed soon <laughs> it's always a barge that hits yeah, it it's, uh, <laughs> that that's a that's a whole separate discussion that's kind of yeah. upset the town and and rightfully so but yeah we'll we'll talk about more positive stuff than inaccessible bridges so <laughs> let, let's let's dive right in uh you actually had a role in what has become one of my favorite shows to watch in recent memory and that would be cobra kai which for those who haven't dabbled into it it's a continuation of the karate kid movies that came out in the mid to late 80s and it kind of took off you know once it hit netflix uh you know seasons one and two were on uh youtube red i believe is what it was called yep. at the time yep. It's very, and, it's very noteworthy to mention that uh, um, when you say continuation, all of the original characters have come back. Mm-hmm. 30, 30, what, 32, 33 years later. So yeah. Go ahead. 
Yeah, no. And, you know, the the series started and my initial thought was I was like, is there really a demand to see a continuation of the Karate Kid series? But then, like you mentioned, I read that, you know, William Zabka and Ralph Macchio were coming back. So I was like, OK, well, I'll I'll check this out because, you know, I, I like right. the Karate Kid movies as a kid. Right. And within the first five minutes of the first episode, I was hooked. Yeah, it had it captured that. 80s feel that you know i've talked about this too is that films from that era from like the early to late 80s really the entire decade uh has that unique charm that to me hasn't been replicated with any other like decade or time period when it comes to films so uh you are actually in the newest season that recently dropped uh on netflix so uh, how is your time uh, being a part of of that process Oh man, I, I feel like a broken record. I just keep on saying I'm so blessed. Like the, the producer was actually on set um, while I was filming and he, he kind of leaned over to me and goes, how does it feel to be the baddest student in Karate Kid history? And I just, I just looked at him with a smothered look and I said, it feels awesome. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I don't want to really spoil anything for anyone who, who hasn't watched it yet, but um, yeah, I play a very villainous character. Um, and essentially the reason why Cobra Kai exists. Yeah, it's a, it's an important role. And, yeah. I, you know, w w like you said, without spoiling it, it's it's an important role. And it, yeah, that had to have been a really cool feeling because were, were you a fan of those movies? Oh, completely. Yeah. Yeah. All of the 80s feeling like Stranger Things, you know, how like, you see different like props in there. It just brings us nostalgic um, feeling to you uh, you just can't you can't escape it and it's it, it makes you tingly inside you know um but but like you know i i didn't know the severity of the character my character until i was actually on set and like in the moment and it hit me while i was in the scene thinking to myself um because i didn't see i didn't see the big reveal like there was not that wasn't written in the script and so I didn't see it till I was on set. And in, in one of my scenes, I thought to myself, I go, holy crap, I'm the reason, <laughs> you know? And I wish I could talk more about it, but yeah. Um, yeah. 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 No. And it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because through watching the show, I feel like it's touched on so many little moments from the movies and actually makes the film's better because even down to the little nuances of using like the same songs that were oh, yeah. used and you know i don't want to call them minor scenes because I, I feel like every scene in the show drives the point in some way but you know i was watching uh, karate kid 2 it was on tv recently and the song that plays in the club whenever uh daniel breaks the the ice with his uh with his hands they use that in a montage in Cobra Kai. So it's like just little, little moments like that make that show so good. And I, I enjoyed again, without spoiling the, the sequence that you were a part of was one of the highlights from the entire season, in my opinion. Okay. Thank you. It's pretty yeah, nice. For, yeah, for sure. It, it's, I'll say that you get to see the origin of, one of the more important characters from the from the movies and and the show too so no it's, it's and it's needed it's needed because yeah. a lot of times you know 
um, we get lazy in filmmaking and not really, you know, pay homage to why, why that character has been the way he is for our entire lives, you know? Um, so it's nice. I'm glad they did that. And they did that in a very tasteful and, and fun way too. One, it made sense too, because yeah. you, you, after you watch the entire series, you're like, okay, I, I can, I can see that now. And yeah. I don't think it was something that they necessarily had to do, but it was really cool that they did. Yeah. Because and, and it, how interesting is it that, you know, we, we, when we were growing up, who did we love? Which character did we like? And now mm-hmm. at this journey in our life, you know, in our life, like it's funny how we gravitate towards the uh, once antagonist, you know? Yeah. Who's now it's, kind of switched roles? Well, it's such a layered show too. It, it adds, like I said, I can go back and watch the original movies after watching Cobra Kai, and it kind of mm-hmm. gives you a new perspective on yeah. things because it's like you catch little things. You're like, okay, I I see that in a different way now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't done that yet. I you, you I should. Started, yeah, I have a seven year old, and I so I got her all caught up with you know all the like eighty stuff. You know, the He-Man, He-Man lunchboxes and uh, uh, cassette tapes, even the coil cord phones. Like, she's like, what oh, is wow. that? <laughs> it actually <laughs> rung. It actually, you know. <laughs> so um, so I, I started, you know, she's, she had questions. She had a lot of questions while she was watching it. And it was nice to be able to engage with her in that way, you know. Um, it's, it's fascinating to watch kids, because I know there's several videos on YouTube where kids are introduced to like Ataris or the original Nintendo and just watching them interact with it. Like, what, what is this? It's just yeah, so fascinating. There was a YouTube video like that, right? A kid, yeah. You know, yeah. They're like, what is this thing? How do you use it? <laughs> yeah. No one, no one will ever understand uh, uh, the things we had to go through. Everything's so instant and digital these days. Um, everyone had a strategy on how to blow on the Nintendo cartridges. <laughs> God knows how many, how much spit was transferred through that process. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the amount of saliva, yeah, it's got to be insane, but it, I mean, there was a certain charm to it though. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's the, uh, that's the coronavirus rex- vaccine, right? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like that. So uh, kind of backtracking a little bit, uh, what was it that initially made you want to pursue a career in acting? Because you you were, you had a successful business career beforehand, right? Yeah. Well, I I, uh, I had to make sure that it was viable to, to kind of survive, you know, financially. Um, and I stumbled upon it on accident because I was just doing extra work in Louisiana. And I got on set of a uh, Madden commercial um, as an extra and got bumped to principal <laughs> in a scene that wasn't even written in the commercial. Um, and I, I want to say that's the year the Saints won the Super Bowl. So had, had they aired that during the Super Bowl, it would have been a bigger paycheck for me. But when this check started rolling in, I realized that, hey, I can actually make a living out of it. And that's, that's where the story started. Because I was doing mostly regional stuff. Um, back in 2009, eight and nine. And, uh, and as you know, have you been in Pensacola mm-hmm. this whole time? Or mm-hmm. So the industry kind of came to us. 
you know, it started around that time. And when the tax credits blew up, we, it was just Hollywood trucks everywhere in Louisiana. Yeah, it's been it's been really cool to see, you know, because growing up, I remember watching shows like, you know, Full House and other like mm -hmm. shows that took place in the West Coast. And I was like, well, you know, you got to be out there if you want to yeah. want to do something. But with the invention of, you know, new technology and more, I don't want to say more convenient, but it really is more convenient way to make movies because literally anybody can do it now. It's mm -hmm. just do you have the knowledge and the skill to do it well? Yeah. Is the other I thing. I think with, with the birth of like uh, DSLR cameras um, and the ability to do video, people started shooting a lot of the shorts and there's their independence. And, you know, there's been some huge success stories with that. And, and those, those people, those creators have gone on to do bigger things. And that's kind of like the, the roadmap for how, how you would do it in this industry, you know, shooting independent stuff and using it as your resume, so to speak, would kind of get you noticed by the bigger studios or, or, or bigger production companies. And you just collaborate. Everything is a collaboration. Yeah, I use this analogy a lot on the show, but a film or even in, like an episode of a TV show is a machine. And everyone from the director down to the PA is a cog in the machine. Mm -hmm. And they all have to work together in order for the machine to run. So no yep. collaboration and networking is, is absolutely key. And it, like you mentioned, you know, the really the best way to learn if you want to do film or if you want to do TV is to go out and do it. Yeah. You know, cause you, we have the means now. I mean, people have made entire movies with an iPhone. Yep. So you yep. can literally get a group of friends and you can go out and you can spend a weekend making something. And I, I think classes are great and tutorials are great, but there's nothing quite like just doing it yourself. Getting your, yeah. Getting your elbows dirty and your knees dirty. And like, it's, it's, you know, tape, it, tape being so expensive is no longer an excuse. Shoot it, you know, shoot it and you have it and fix it in post. I always yep. joke about that with my friends, fix it in post. Everything's done. <laughs> yeah. That I feel like that's a running gag with, with production. Yeah. like, Oh, We'll just fix it in post. Do it in post. So, yeah, it's all good. You want rain? And, post. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, mentioning New Orleans, you know, kind of going back to what we were talking about with New Orleans and Atlanta really blowing up. It's really inspiring in a way because now you think to yourself, okay, well, I don't have to move to Los Angeles yeah. in order to make movies. You know, you can go to Atlanta. You know, for me, that's only like a five hour drive. Mm -hmm. as opposed yeah, to you, right yeah is it so, only five? wow yeah i mean you factor in the the time change from central to eastern but it, it's not as far as people might think yeah but uh, it, it's really it's really inspiring to to see you know other areas and i've I talked to other filmmakers who are say in memphis or in houston mm -hmm. that are making good things happen so it's it's really inspiring yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I talk about this on other interviews and it's, I actually had, I was packed, my car was packed, headed to LA. And, you know, one of the interviews I did yesterday was actually at the spot where I exited to turn the car around. So it's, it's, it's just a bunch of those little stories. Every story, every credit also on my IMDb has an awesome story behind it and everyone who's involved, you know, I drove 15 times to, Florida just to for a possibility 
of getting on burn notice when they were shooting. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and I was just driving with a friend to help him out. And I ended up being the one who got the role. <laughs> so. <laughs> what, what are some of your favorite stories? Like you mentioned all your credits have a, have a story. What, what are some stories that stand out to you? Oh man. I, you know, every, every, every credit has like uh, a nugget in there. Like, like let's just, for instance, something off the top of my head is uh, um, I was shooting the D train with Jack Black and in between scenes, he would step into another room and like FaceTime his son. And I, it was just a sweet moment that I caught and, you know, just growing up with him and as Nacho Libre, like, it was just like, Oh, <laughs> Jack Black, the human. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I had, I had a, a moment on set with Will Smith where he was trying to, he was gagging everybody on set. Like he was taking on, on the script. He would, he would take my lines and regurgitate them back to me while we're filming and uh, I flipped it on him and I used, uh, I, re, I reenacted his scene in I Am Legend when he found the dummy. You remember that scene? Yeah. When, yeah, yeah. And I started crying and they just kept rolling. And after it was done, he was like, dude, that was awesome. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I started hearing my scenes from him. I said, what the hell is he doing? That's my monologue. I was like, what is he doing? And I said, no. <laughs> you will not take my monologue. Who brought you out here? Who brought you out here, Carl? <laughs> one thing I do have to ask when I was reading your IMDb, because this is one of my all-time favorite movies, hmm? how was your experience on set of Logan? Oh, it was amazing. It was, it was so crazy. Well, the crazy thing was uh, uh, James, he added another scene. For me so like when i wrapped that morning i would ke i kept telling the pa because i think on, in terms of like uh money for for the production and i just don't want them wasting money so i'm like dude i wrapped i'm done this is all i had and they kept me there for like 20 hours like it was a long day it was a last you know i got there at 6 a.m and i didn't leave till one two in the morning oh wow yeah but but the reason why was he was in the middle of you know doing everything on the call sheet he was adding another scene in you know interesting and, i mean i i man, i geeked out when i worked with hugh jackman like that was i used to pretend i was him when i was a kid like wolverine you know that's my guy yeah. <laughs> him or gambit gambit not many people know about gambit but louisiana mm -hmm. louisiana boy you know but um but yeah i i um ended up working with him on another project recently with uh, lisa joy and uh, um it's called Reminiscence. It should be coming out this year. That's fantastic. Yeah. You, know, you mentioned Hugh Jackman. I remember, you know, I grew up fan of the X-Men, loved the animated series from yeah. the 90s. And people were upset that he was cast as Wolverine. But after that first movie, it's like, who else is going to play him? Yeah. I can't think of anyone else. Yeah, I mean, that, that's going to be a, a question that, because eventually the X-Men are going to come into the MCU. But it's like, who who can you get to replace Hugh Jackman? I don't, I don't think they should ever do that. That would be a big mistake. One of the biggest regrets to me, as far as like the MCU is like when they added like Spider-Man and mm -hmm. now they've added Fantastic Four and the X-Men is not seeing like Hugh Jackman and like Patrick Stewart interact with Robert Downey Jr. And Chris Evans like that. Yeah. Those, those scenes would have been gold. That would have been awesome. It, it, it was, it was doable. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that kind of makes you sad too. <laughs> didn't mean to bring the interview on a down note, but yeah. it, it's just like, it's, it's something that's always like in the back of my mind. Like whenever yeah. I meant, they mentioned, oh, well, the Fantastic Four are coming or the X-Men are coming, like, man. Where's, where's yeah, where's Wolverine? Yeah, absolutely. So, should, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he came, I think he ended on a very, very high note. It couldn't have been, um, the, the, their decision to move uh, Logan into an R-rated, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that that was huge, and I think that's in part by Deadpool. I think that really paved the way to do that, like give him permission to do that, you know. Absolutely, so I'm, happy, I'm happy it was R. Like, <laughs> well, and I look at Logan in the sense of almost like the Dark Knight, where that movie transcends its genre. Yeah, yeah it's a comic book movie, but you know, you look at the Dark Knight, it has like a crime espionage feel to it. You look at Logan, it has the the feel of a Western, you know, like Logan's yeah. the old gunslinger who's coming out for one last fight. It, it it transcends its genre. And to me, that's what makes Logan like one of the best comic book, we'll call it comic book movies, but best yeah. comic book movies ever made. Yeah, exactly. Did you uh did you buy any of the uh the merch that was out? As far as merchandise, I, I did not. I mean, I have I have the movie itself, but as far as merch, I I didn't get any. There's a there's a noir edition um, that I, I got my hands on. Um, mm-hmm. It's black and white, you know, um, and I don't know. It just adds a different feel to it. Yeah, I, when I got the because I bought the movie digitally, it comes with the noir version, and honestly, I prefer watching that to the theatrical cut. Just the, the black and white. It gives it that little bit of an extra extra feel darkness. yeah kind of like a yeah i don't say darkness I mean, that might be the wrong word but uh no I, I think that's accurate yeah it isolates the cinematography for sure yeah um, and there's it makes it like the black and white and having that little bit of a graininess to it just gives yeah, it yeah. a very different a very different type of feel charm there it is, charm. That's the word. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll go with charm. So, um, you know, we mentioned Cobra Kai. Uh, do you have any other projects that you're currently working on, or you know, things uh, that you have coming up in the future you want to talk so about? So, during the pandemic, we started a distribution label called Kamikaze Dogfight. Um, we started it in May. Um, last I counted, we have about 12, 12 to fourteen films on our slate. And what we do is we distribute uh, featured horror horror films for filmmakers. So it's kind of our, our uh, way of, you know, continuing the, the pay it back movement because we take on filmmakers and we actually take care of their films. Um, we have a partnership with Gravitas and Red Arrow Studios, a two picture output deal. So that's been keeping me busy during the pandemic while the acting stuff slowed down. Um, obviously, a lot of productions are not moving in that space. You know, it's just so expensive to shoot during COVID. 20, 30% more than the budget. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Yeah, it's it's created a lot of, I mean, I'll say problems, but we're, we're going to be feeling the effects of COVID for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Even you know, when... The plus, side, the plus side of it is, is you know, having a company like what we did, um, we don't have to travel, you know, and and I, I woke up at 3.30 one day, 3.30 in the morning, had a call with a guy in Ireland, a filmmaker. By 5.30, I was on the phone with Australia. I think 9, 9 a.m. I was on UK. And then 
I was making myself a sandwich and some chips by 12 in Colorado. So it's, <laughs> you know, it, it's nice in that way, but then I do miss that energy of being around people and like actually face to face, you know, like this mm-hmm. would be different if I were in your studio, you know? So, right. Um, yeah. But that it's good that you were able to find a way to adapt due yeah. to the pandemic, because that's what a lot of people have had to do with, mm-hmm. you know, taking on other responsibilities. And it, even when things resume normalcy and production start back do you see this as something that you're going to continue doing oh absolutely yeah like we the momentum like you once you push the stone down the hill it just it just keeps on snowballing and you can't you can't really stop it until it hits flatland you know so um well, and we mentioned earlier, filmmaking is very much a collaborative industry, and I can imagine that there's a certain gratitude that you feel helping out these other filmmakers, you know, yeah. get their films out and, you know, even, even getting to know them and how they work and building future possible working relationships. Like we said, yep. it's all about the, the networking and the collaboration. Yeah, because some of the guys that we picked up, we we're actually, uh, we we're actually um, producing their next project. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's just nice to be able to be in the position to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think this is going to, I think Kamikaze Dog Fight is going to be live on for a while. And how has the, have you learned a lot from transitioning from being, you know, acting into, you know, distribution? Has it helped you learn a new side of the industry that you think maybe you wouldn't have learned due oh, to yeah. COVID? Yeah. I mean, we learn every day, right? So that's, that's kind of like where kind of that pocket you want to stay in is always, always stay open to learning. So every, every day I'm learning something, man. If I'm not, if I'm not learning something from experience, I'm looking it up and trying to figure it out. So. um, Absolutely. Like, like today, today I learned that I'm not going to set up a zoom call in the, in the kitchen because my friends, if you can see what they're doing, they're teasing me with fried chicken right now. Oh, that actually sounds really good right now. And it's amazing. Oh man. I mean, there's like a 50 piece. Yeah. And it's the smells just wafing over here. So today I learned that I won't be doing that in front of them. If you want to send some of that chicken my way, I will not complain. It's good cold too, man. So yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You cannot go wrong with fried chicken. No, sir. No, sir. So um, as we start to wrap up here, uh, I always like to end uh, the conversations with this. What is one piece of advice that you could give uh, to an aspiring actor? Um, just go do it. It sounds very cliche, but if you don't do it, it's just going to be stuff on paper. You know, have, have, a, have a good team around you and uh, make the mistakes together if you have to. But uh, just do it and learn from other people's mistakes. Well, and sometimes mistakes are the best way to learn. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've even with doing this podcast, I've made so many, you know, mistakes that I'm like, okay, well, I wouldn't know not to do that if I didn't do it in the first place. So yeah. I, yeah. I agree with you. You just, just go out and do it. Yeah, and you're, you're, I'm sure you're always upgrading your equipment. You know, mm-hmm. figure out which microphones you want to use and what what. Uh, I've told you my mistake is in the kitchen with this fried chicken because. No, They've eaten, they've eaten four pieces <laughs> during this interview each. Oh man. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get you out of here so you can enjoy some fried chicken, but what, what is, um, do you have a website or social media that you'd like to plug? So the yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all over social on, at, at Han Soto, um, on Instagram, Twitter. Um, and I, you can follow us on, uh, at Kamikaze Dogfight. 
K-A-M-I-K-A-Z-E dogfight um, on Instagram and uh, Facebook. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Han, thank you so much for taking the time to do this chat. This was fun. Derek, thank, thanks for having me, bud. Thanks again to Han Soto for coming on the show to talk about his roles in Logan and Cobra Kai. Be sure to follow him on social media to find out what he'll be up to next. For next week's show, I have not one, not two, but three guests coming up on the show. I'll be chatting with writer-director Maceo Greenberg, as well as actors Andrew Creer and Samantha Robinson about their upcoming film, Take Me to Tarzana, which is a, such a fun movie that I had the privilege of watching. It'll be dropping online very, very soon, so be sure to come back next week for that really fun conversation. And I'll be having a, a fun debate that I'd love you know feedback from you, the viewers, and the listeners. What is the better medium of storytelling? Film or television? And I think with recent examples like The Mandalorian and WandaVision, it's going to be a really fun chat. So I'd love to get your guys' feedback on that. I'll be talking about that as well on next week's show. But until then, you can check out past episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, as well as YouTube. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. And if you could, uh, please leave a review. The more reviews I get, the more visible I become to the podcasting public. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. You can also follow me on Patreon at patreon.com slash D Diamond Podcast. If you want to write an email, uh, I'm at D Diamond Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, thank you to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday.